Welcome to Casa de Cambio. Um, this is another solo episode. I haven't done one of these for ages. I haven't done one at all this season. So hi, how are we all doing? Um, how are all the Melbourne and Sydney people doing? Um, I know that's the majority of my listeners. I hope you're all coping with lockdowns okay. Um, you know, just keep doing your exercise and keep going for walks and looking after your mental health um, and be safe. But today, uh, let me take a step back. A couple of months ago, I put a call out on LinkedIn and said, you know, what do you guys want to know? What do you want to hear about on the podcast? And the most requested or, or highest question that was put to me was, when, like, how do I quit my job? How do I know it's time to quit my job? When is it okay to bail halfway through a contract, you know? Um, and a lot of those messages came via direct message. They weren't publicly, uh, a couple were publicly on the post, but a lot of them came privately, which indicated that <laughs> there's a lot of people out there who really want to quit their job. But first, what am I watching, reading and listening to? A lot being in lockdown and I have a lot of recommendations given that I haven't done a solo episode for ages. So if you want to get to the, when do I quit my job, feel free to skip through this bit. Um, but I, I mean, being in lockdown, uh, a lot of the podcasts I'm listening to are banter, bants, because, you know, I like, yeah, it's just nice to go on a walk and have a little bit of a giggle at, you know, some of your favorite podcasters. So the first podcast recommendation is Willosophy. I don't think I've recommended that before on the podcast. Um, he recently did an episode with Luke McGregor, who I just think is so talented and he's a lovely, lovely person. Uh, and he has a great show called uh, Rosedale on ABC. So yeah, that was a really good one. Um, Brenda Call Me, which is a podcast by Courtney Act and Vanity Fair, two drag queens that I really, really love. Um, that is hilarious. Uh really love that. Um, in terms of TV, I have been, I watched, actually, I've got a music recommendation. Um, I've been listening to a lot of 90s music because a lot of people who have been coming on the podcast have said, yeah, I've been listening to 80s and 90s. I really um, revisited Ben Harper's entire back catalogue. Like I love him so much and I'm like, oh, why did I ever stop listening to this? So definitely go get on your Spotify and give that, do yourself a favor, give that a whirl. Um, but then I, you know, and that's kind of when you start listening to all of this 90s music and older stuff, you go, oh, it was a simpler time. Gosh, wouldn't it be nice, you know, to be in 1994. And then I watched, um, there's a documentary about Woodstock 99. It's called, I think it's just called Woodstock 99. It's on Binge in Australia. So I'm not sure uh, where you would find it internationally. But it's all about the Woodstock 99 Festival. Oh, my God. It just looked awful. And, you know, I remember being a kid and seeing footage of that festival and seeing, you know, Rage Against Machine playing and just so many people in the crowd and thinking it looked so cool. And watching that documentary and just seeing how, like, what was behind it. And it just reminded me of, of a lot of... Um, you know, a lot of problematic behavior, especially as a woman, you know, I love live music and I've been going to gigs like ever since, you know, the nineties and yeah, like being a young teenager going to shows, like there was a lot of really problematic stuff uh, happening. And it kind of reminded me of that and went, oh, actually there was a lot of stuff that wasn't good about the nineties. Um, so yeah, but 
definitely watch it. It's um it's kind of got fire festival uh level dysfunction about like it yeah, it was it's pretty crazy. Um so definitely that I've been watching Pose uh on again, it's on binge. I don't know, maybe Fox is the network internationally. That has been amazing. Um obviously drag race. I mean, since the last season, there's been drag race down under, there's been drag race UK, a new season of drag race Holland has started and there's been drag race all-star. So drag queens, drag queens, drag queens getting me through. Um, the secret life of us has been on Netflix. So for the, again, for the international listeners, that was a show that was just so popular in the late nineties and early two thousands. And they've put it on Netflix and I've been making my, I think I'm still in season one, but um, I've been made, and a lot of actors were in it who went on to become like quite famous and really well-known uh, Australian actors. And, you know, they've been, some of them have been successful internationally, like Sam Worthington and Deborah Mailman, who's just a national treasure. But that, watching that, like actually gave me a bit of a, a bit of perspective about my life and the way it's going at the moment, because um, I was watching that show as a teenager, like living in South Australia. I'd never been to Melbourne before at that stage when the show came out. And I just thought, oh my God, it would be, and it was in shot in St. Kilda's heyday as well. Like it was just so, such a good time to be in St. Kilda. And I just thought, I remember thinking, oh, how cool would it be to live in St. Kilda and live in Melbourne and, you know, live, go down to Katani Gardens and kick a ball around. And, and like, I live in St. Kilda now and it kind of made me go, shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm living that life and obviously St Kilda's not you know as cool as it was back then um but yeah it really made me realize I'm actually living a life that I thought would be so amazing as a teenager and I'd forgotten about that um so yeah definitely get your 90s nostalgia on with that show uh book wise I've been reading Long Petal of the Sea by Isabel Allende one of my favorite authors I'm reading it in English and Spanish. So I'll read a little bit in English. And then I've got this, a Spanish copy of the book that I'm reading as well, just to, you know, practice my Spanish and try and keep that skill happening. Um, and then Future Proof You, Future Proof You by Kelly Tomney. Uh, she's coming up on an upcoming episode of the podcast, but that book is fantastic. Uh, so definitely get your hands on a copy of that. All right. That's all the recommendations for now. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to talk about when to quit your job. So the first thing I want to say is if you're asking me, what, is it okay to quit my job or how, how do I know to quit my job? Like if you're asking the question, then you want to quit, uh, and you're just looking for permission. So I, I give you permission to quit your job, do it. That's what you want to do. Do it. Um, and you know, I, I didn't talk about any career advice because this whole episode is career advice. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I always, phrases I always say, that's one of my life, you know, mottos is a life lived in fear is a life half lived. So, you know, I mean, what's worse that's going to happen? You get another job, you don't like that job, you get another one. Like it's really, you know, not that much. I, I, I don't think there's that much of a risk to it, but I'll go into the detail now. So I guess the first thing I want to say is, you know, if you're, mental health or your physical health is being impacted at all by your job, get out of there. Um, no job is worth your health. You know, we get one body, we get one, you know, brain. If you mess it up, like it's really hard to fix, um, you know, and I guess I have my own business. Uh, before that, I was, you know, freelancing for a long time. So, 
I, if I can't work because, you know, my mental health is suffering or uh, my physical health is suffering, like I'm exhausted or burnt out, I don't get paid. So you got to keep yourself tip top mentally and physically if you're going to, you know, continue earning money um, and to do the things that you want to do with that money. So you've got it like you've got a responsibility to yourself not to let a workplace or a job or a manager uh, drive you into the ground. And as a personal, personal example, I think I've shared this on the podcast before. I'm not sure, but several years ago, I'm not going to say which company it was, but I totally worked myself into the ground. I just worked so many hours and I kept getting sick. I was going into work sick, which is so not a thing in 2021. Uh, But it was, you know, some years ago um, in certain, you know, organizational cultures. Um, I didn't know I was sick. I thought I was having some kind of a mental breakdown because I just couldn't do it anymore. And I ended up electing not to renew a contract, Uh, just to save myself, you know, because I was having such a hard time at that job and, you know, I was asking for support and not getting it, blah, blah, blah. So I elected not to renew the contract, didn't work for a little while, started a new contract and I was still so tired, so exhausted. I actually thought I was depressed. Um, And I had all these uh, physical symptoms. Like I think what did it is then like randomly I gained 20 kilos like really quickly and I was like, whoa, what's going on? And so I was like, oh, I need to go to the gym more. And I'm always somebody who exercises a lot. Um, and at that time, like I was really into Thai kickboxing. So I was going to kickboxing and nearly passing out. Um, I was trying to do more weights and the gym was so hard. And I was like, oh my God, it's just so hard. And I thought, oh, this is because you've gained weight. Um, <laughs> and you're also, old, you know, you're older, you're in your thirties. So you just can't do it anymore. Anyway, it turns out um, I'd had glandular fever for like a year uh, I finally got my ass to the doctor and I was like, oh, you know, mid thirties, like a Dr. Google, I Googled and went, oh, I've obviously got a thyroid problem. My thyroid was tip top. I'd had glandular fever for a year. It had completely messed up my liver. So all my liver enzymes were like completely not, you know, my liver wasn't secreting enzymes to break down food. Cause I had a lot of other, like, you know, I thought there was something wrong with my gut or my gut bacteria was out, out of whack. Cause I just didn't address this problem for so long. And, um, Yes, that job was very stressful, but I've got no one to blame for my but myself for that. And it took me years uh, to get better. Like I had to not drink for a really long time. I had to go on a really strict gut uh, diet. Um, I had to do like five two fasting to lose the weight I put on. Like I didn't lose all of it. Uh, and now, you know, with lockdown and stuff last year, obviously I've put on a bit of weight again. And, <laughs> and yeah, I was somebody who was always very fit and healthy, had always been a healthy weight. And then all of a sudden I was overweight um, and couldn't lose it, you know, because I had all these uh, physical factors that were preventing me from losing weight. Like I was very close to uh, being pre-diabetic because I had high insulin. My blood sugar was normal, but it was like only like at the high end of normal. And I had high insulin and like, uh, yeah, it was awful. Um, so yeah, I had to work really, really hard to fix that. And now it's, and it's just so hard to, you know, do any sort of weight loss or anything like it completely messed up my metabolism. Um, and that was just from working too hard for a freelance contract. What an idiot. Um, anyway, so you don't want that to happen to you because once, yeah, like it's so hard to get it back once you lose it. And there's only so much, fuel that you have in the tank or additional energy you can draw on to get through like you just can't keep doing that to yourself so there's that so yeah if your job is 
putting your physical health or mental health at risk, if there are physical signs uh, that, you know, you can't do this anymore, then yeah, get out of there. That's my advice for you. Um, Another one is, you know, are you getting the Sunday scaries? Like, are you getting to Sunday afternoon and then it's usually about 2, 2.30 in the afternoon and then you realise, oh, shit, I've got to go there tomorrow and, you know, you start to get really anxious and you start going for coping mechanisms like food or alcohol, like, I don't know what it is, you know, self-medicate in some way. Um, yeah, that's another sign. If you get to Sunday afternoon and you're like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want tomorrow to come. Um, that's a really bad sign. That's not normal. Um, so have a think about that. Um, another thing is I think that it's really important that you actually tell your boss or your employer what's going on um, and you give them an opportunity to turn things around the same way that you would if you had an employee or a member of your team that you were managing that was not performing well it's the same way you would give them a chance to improve you wouldn't just go oh they've made a mistake or oh, they you know didn't meet my expectations one time I'm going to get rid of them you would coach them and you know give them a chance and you know maybe put them on a performance management plan or something like that uh, before you actually took extreme action. So I feel like it's the same with jobs. Like you do need to go to your manager and you need to tell them um, that you're having, you know, these are some problems that, or some roadblocks I'm experiencing and give them an opportunity to help you. Because I think a lot of people just try to do everything themselves. They don't ask for help. Uh, their manager has no idea how they're feeling. Or maybe you've kind of hinted at it, but you haven't, you know, really spelled it out. Um, so I think that's important because you don't want to let it get to a point where you just quit and your manager or the company that you work for are really surprised. Uh, and, you, and because you haven't spoken up and given them an opportunity to help you, um, it's gotten to a point where it's too late and, you know, you're just rage quitting or whatever. So I think, yeah, it's, and it's really important to, yeah, have that conversation and say, you know, I'm thinking of leaving. These are the reasons. Um, this is what I would need you to do for me to not leave. Because sometimes you can get the help that you need. Um, and you can, you know, a good manager will help you turn things around. Um, there's been a couple of times, like I'm maybe to let you guys know, I'm not a quitter. Um, I am someone who's obsessed with seeing things through, especially with projects. Like it's, I, I never want to quit. It is really important to work the duration of your contract so if it's three or six months um do try your best but again if your mental and physical health is at risk just get out like don't you know that that advice doesn't apply um because there is I think what people are worried about is well is it going to be a bad look for me I think it's never a bad look if you work your contract um I have had a situation where I started a contract and three weeks in like the the contract the role the project was all so cooked and, you know, people weren't honest to me with me about the real situation in the interview process. And, you know, I didn't meet some of the people that I was going to be working really closely with. And, you know, it, it just, yeah, I felt a little bit let down. Uh, and also the project was like nothing like I expected. I was working the maximum amount of hours I could possibly work. Um, I was so tired and, 
yeah, I just, and again, I saw there were some physical signs of me going, well, this is not good for my health and I don't need to do this because uh, at that point I was a really experienced change professional and I'm like, I can just go and get another job and I'm not going to have to put up with all of this drama and work these mental hours. Um, and it was only a three-month contract, thank God. So I did go to my manager and I said, look, I'm miserable. I worked the three months because I don't want to let anyone down, but I'm just letting you know uh, I will not be extending. <laughs> um, and they did, you know, again, they gave me help. I ended up extending and staying for another month uh, just to, you know, do the right thing. Uh, but they brought some more resources on. Um, so I think it was good. And they did ask, they asked me to they begged me to stay actually. <laughs> I did feel bad, but I was just like, look, sorry guys, no, um, can't do it. Uh, so there was that because I don't, I don't usually do that, but I did work the contract. Uh, there was another one where I was, you know, I, I started a role uh, there was a bit of a bumpy start. The project was very stressful, very demanding. Uh, and I definitely wanted to leave. Uh, but I wasn't leaving because I didn't want to be a quitter. Uh, but I really wanted to. And my manager ended up kind of calling it because I think she noticed. And she was like, okay, if you want to leave, I'll support that because you're clearly, you know, you're obviously miserable. Um, I think I was actually crying in a you know in a like she'd taken me into a room because I looked like I was about to cry I was crying about training <laughs> I can see so funny now but it was just it was a very big deal at the time <laughs> um and yeah like she said look I'll support it but she also was like look we'll give you this help and we'll do this and I said well let's get the help and we'll see how it goes because I don't want to let people down and I feel like if I walk away, I'd be letting down the team. Um, and I ended up sticking with it. Like we got the help. It was still stressful, but I, I saw it, that one through to the end because uh, I had a great boss who helped. So, um, yeah, I think if you actually have that talk with your boss and you say, look, this is what I need, this is what I want, and they don't come back to you with anything or they indicate, yeah, look, you know, um, no, then, you, I mean, you almost have to go because you're not going to, like things aren't going to change. Um, so yeah, see how that conversation goes. Another thing I would recommend you do is read the book Bad Boss by Michelle Gibbings. She's been a guest on the podcast. It's a really amazing book. Um, I have a copy. So if any of the listeners, if you're based in Australia and you would like a copy of the book, uh, I'll happily post it out to you. So just uh, send me a cheeky DM on LinkedIn. If you want that copy, I'll yeah, happily pass it on. But in the book, because um, I mean, she talks a lot, like the book, the book is called Bad Boss. It's about how to identify if it is a bad boss um, because we know that the majority of people leave their current role because of a bad boss or poor management or poor leadership. So yes, there's a lot of stuff about that in the book, but she also turns the spotlight on you because part of it is, well, is it you? Um, because you do also need to practice some self-awareness in these situations. Like, are you being a bit of a wuss? Are you having a tantrum because something didn't go your way? Um, that's not in the book. That's me talking now. But I think reading that book will actually give you some really good uh, things to consider before leaving a role because it is a big step, right? Uh, particularly if you're perm or you're halfway through a contract, it's never a good look to bail halfway through a contract. So you've got to be like pretty serious uh, that you want to go. Um, so read that book. 
um, she talks about a little bit on the podcast episode, but I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've probably already listened to that. Um, And then like, yeah, I think just have a look at yourself because even though I'm not a quitter, I do have a lot of internal stuff going on when I join a project and the point where things start getting hard, my immediate reaction is run away. I want to go do something else. I don't want to do this. And I, you know, I start going, okay, is it me just being lazy or wanting to avoid this difficult situation that I'm going to have to move through or, you know, wanting to avoid this month of really hard work I'm going to have to do to get this over the line? Is it a real issue or is it me? Because it's, it's a very normal thing. The second that stuff gets hard, you're like, oh, I want to go or to leave. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, so I do think there's a certain, you know, there is a point where it is beneficial for you to push through and get the job done uh, because that's what builds careers. That's what builds your resilience. Um, but then if it's not, um, if it is genuinely like, I just don't fit in here, I don't belong, or, you know, this job is not for me. Um, yeah. Get out of there. But I do think you need to, yeah, practice a little bit of self-awareness and a little bit of self-criticism as well because you can't just leave every job the second it gets hard. Like you do need to stick with things sometimes um, coming from a career contractor. And I think lastly, um, I know last year a lot of people stayed put because there was so much uncertainty uh, when COVID hit Australia. Companies were just really scared about their cash flow. They just cut staff. They cut their consultants and freelancers, like it was a really bad time for us uh, in the change community, like change was cut, uh, PA, like everybody put their projects on hold, like it was bad. So I knew a lot of people who were really unhappy in their jobs, but they were like, well, I'm employed, like there's no other jobs, you know, it's so competitive, I'm not getting out there. So I can tell you as someone who's in the market, uh, you know, regularly and speaks to a lot of recruiters and hiring managers. Um, the market has picked up and there's a massive skill shortage in Australia because uh, there's no migration. So employers can't rely on skilled worker visas to try and um, fill shortages. And from what I hear, that's happening in a lot of other countries as well. Like I was chatting to a really good friend of mine who is based in Brazil, but works for an international company. And he just said, it is impossible. Like we just can't find people. There's so much demand and there's no people. So it's a great time to be a candidate in the market at the moment. Um, And yeah, like last year uh, rates, you know, companies used the, because it's supply and demand, there was a huge amount of supply and low demand. So companies use that to push rates down, um, which is what they do. And now there's really high demand and not many good candidates. So candidates are being really demanding and companies are getting really butthurt about it. And I'm like, well, you really took, some companies seem to take quite a lot of pleasure in posting really piss take rates, like half, half of what they normally would pay. And I thought someone's going to take that because they need to put food on the table. So ha ha companies, you have to pay us what we're worth. So, yeah, it is a really good time to be negotiating salary, um, to be looking for jobs. And, you know, I'm also someone who, like, I elected not to renew a contract earlier in the year uh, so that I could really focus on my own business 
And my phone is blowing up with all of these, you know, (laughs) two-year transformations and permanent opportunities, which I'm saying no to uh, because I I just can't commit to that. And I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Um, So, yeah, like jobs are out there if that's what you want to do, you know, and it doesn't matter what profession. Like I was speaking to a guy who owns a SAP consultancy doing ERP implementations. And he was saying, yeah, he's got to pay developers so much money. Like there's just no one. It's so hard to find people. So yeah, right now, what is it? August, probably by the time this comes out, it'll be September. So September 2021, great time to be looking for jobs. Um, There's, yeah, because all of those projects that got put on hold last year, they're back on. a lot of companies, you know, CEOs and executives realized, oh, we can actually get quite a lot done with people working remotely. It's not the blocker that we thought it was going to be. So, yeah, I think in summary, if you want to quit your job, quit your job. You have my permission. Um, yeah, if you're unhappy, um, give people the opportunity to help you in some way and try and fix uh, whatever it is that's making you unhappy. Uh self-reflect and consider, uh, could you be contributing to this in some way? Are you part of this problem? Um, And yeah, look after yourself. Your mental and physical health is number one and no company or job should come before you maintaining your health. Um, You've got, I think it was Brie who came on the podcast uh, at the start of last year. She said, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. So you know, you don't want to get exhausted too early in your career. <laughs> You've got a long way to go. Um, and job hopping and changing jobs isn't the CV red flag that it once was either. Um, I think with contracts, if you do three months and it's three months, three months, three months, that's a bit of a red flag. But if you're seven months somewhere, a year somewhere else, I only view a permanent role as a one to two year commitment tops. I think you know, if I'm going to take it, it'll be one to two years and then review. Like I would never think I'm just going to work there forever. Um, And, you know, (laughs) there's redundancies every six months and restructures all the time. That's a normal part of the landscape. So God, you might not even survive somewhere for (laughs) the last permanent role I did. Um, I was impacted by a restructure one year in. I ended up staying another nine months and doing a secondment, but like, yeah, like that's how it is. So yeah, I think if that's what you want to do, go do it. Um, Take care of yourselves, stay safe, and I'll be back with another episode soon. Bye.